0: As we start this new year, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect from it. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that we're already at the start of this new year, but I, I don't know if it's going to be better than last. I don't know if it's going to be worse than last year. I don't know what we might be seeing. I think last year has kind of shown us that. But yet, I do know that whenever we look in the Bible, we can find words of hope, words of comfort, and we can look at what it is like whenever God is the one who's in control. And guess what? I have great news to tell you, God is in control. He always has been in control and he always will be in control. And we're going to be looking in this video mainly at Isaiah chapter 61. We're going to be looking at some other places as well. But in Isaiah 61, we find out about some things about the Lord. We also find out some things about the Lord's anointed, what that means and what that looks like. Now, all of this is very significant because Isaiah 61 is what was quoted by Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus did not uh, leave it to to chance and maybe kind of hope that people would put it together that he is the Lord's anointed and he has come into the world. No, he put it together for them and and he shared that with them. Let's look at that passage and let's see how it went for him. In Luke chapter four, uh, verses 14 through 21. Now, uh, this is where we're going to. Uh, stop the story, but the story does continue even after this. But let's look at verses 14 through 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And if you keep reading, you find out that well, that was met with some mixed emotion because they were expecting this passage to be to be talking about the Lord's anointed, to be talking about the Messiah. And they most certainly didn't expect Jesus Christ to be, or, or Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ is what we call him, but Christ actually means the Messiah. They weren't expecting Jesus, this this guy that, you know, they're they're familiar with, you know, they know his family, they know where he came from. He's just an ordinary guy, right? That's what many of them thought. But whenever he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, they didn't believe it. In fact, some of them got extremely angry with him. They got so angry with him that they wanted to kill him. And they they even tried to in this passage. But it didn't work, of course. It wasn't going to happen. This is just at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is one of the first times he speaks publicly that we get a record of it. And this is what he chose to say. He chose to point these things out. And he connected the dots for us. He said that he is This anointed one of God he is the Lord's anointed and what did he come to do he proclaimed good news to the poor he was also proclaiming freedom for prisoners recovery of sight for the blind he also was setting the oppressed free he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor it's very interesting that that these are the things that Jesus you know pointed toward and he said look these are being fulfilled in your hearing now also whenever we find out that uh, the John the Baptist later whenever he's in a very dark place at that time and I mean he's been arrested it's not looking good for him and actually we we find out the rest of the story we find out that he uh, he is going to be beheaded he's going to lose his life because he was standing up for what was right but in that time whenever he's in prison he he sends some messengers out to Jesus and he says look are you really the the one that we've been looking forward to now Obviously, he knew it, okay? He baptized Jesus. He knew that Jesus is the one. But, you know, Jesus was doing things a little different. And John still wanted that reassurance, just like what we oftentimes do. He wanted that reassurance. And he said, okay, so are you really the one that we're to be looking for? And Jesus responds very similar to this passage here from Isaiah that he, that he quoted from. This is Isaiah 61. Um, and the, the passage that he quotes to uh, John the Baptist to give him reassurance. Is very similar to this it's these types of signs these types of things are going to accompany Jesus and they did we see that Jesus did all of these things he acted very differently than people of his day were expecting the Messiah to act but yet when you look at the scriptures you find out he acted exactly like the Lord's anointed was supposed to act because this very day in Luke 4 that scripture was fulfilled in their hearing let's look at that scripture because there's a little bit more of that scripture I find it interesting that where Jesus ended it. So let's look at Isaiah 61 together. Isaiah 61 verses one through two, one and two. Uh, this is the same thing that Jesus just quoted earlier, but I'll read it again. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So you see on the screen before you that I put in bold and underline some of these very things that Jesus Christ came here to do. And he said that they were being fulfilled in their hearing that day in in Luke 4. So we know these things have already been fulfilled. But it is very interesting to me that Jesus stopped the quotation there because the passage continues. He ended where it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But you know what else the passage goes on to say? It's very interesting. Let's look at it. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. I know I've already read verses 1 and 2 a couple of times, but let's look at them again. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide For those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now Let me just kind of go ahead and say these things because it's very obvious that most of the things in verses one and two, they were fulfilled in Jesus' hearing in Luke four. Okay, we already saw that. He said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. But Jesus stopped right before he said, in the day of vengeance of our God. See, some people, they think that that what is happening here in Isaiah 61 is not something that happened at the first coming of Christ but something that's going to happen whenever Christ returns. And I'll let you be the judge as to what you think about that. I just want to mention it to you because I think that no matter how you kind of take these things, what you see is, what does it look like whenever God is in our midst? What does it look like whenever he is acting on our behalf? And in this case, it's on the behalf of of Israel. But, you know, after all, we kind of I guess you might say, we kind of come in, we we ride in on the the coattails of Israel because of what Christ has done for us. But right here, let me tell you a little bit more also about this, but you know, Jesus ended about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. But the passage goes on, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now I don't know about what comes to your mind whenever you read that day of vengeance. I mean, it kind of sounds a little bad to me and maybe it sounds kind of negative to you, maybe not. But whatever the case, That word doesn't have to be, you know, translated as vengeance. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. It kind of has to do with the repayment or or kind of the the idea that that justice will will take place at that time. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative thing. It doesn't always mean it's a positive thing. That word is actually used for both negative and, and positive things. And I guess really it comes down to which side are you on? Because the next phrase is to comfort all who mourn. Well, if you're someone who mourns and you receive that comfort, that day of vengeance, that day of repayment is a good day for you. It's a day of comfort. But what if you are those people who cause those other groups to mourn? Uh, Then that day is not going to be so good for you because God is going to show you right in your face. There's going to be no shadow of a doubt that you have been doing what's wrong. So that day is gonna be kind of a mixed day. And that's really how the second coming of, of, of Christ is. Let's face it, that's kind of what the first coming of Christ was, wasn't it? It had a little bit of negative and a little bit of positive all mixed in together. It all depended upon your perspective. To us, it's good news. To us, it's great news. And we look right here and we see this is what the Lord's anointed is called to do. This is what Jesus Christ either has done Or will do in the future and kind of whenever i look at it i see a little bit of both of those things we see that christ whenever he came he changed things he did comfort those who mourn and you look at what all he did you look at each one of these phrases you know we see this this crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning what jesus does is he gives us good things in place of the negative things that maybe we have experienced before All of these are are good things. And this would have been important for Israel because when you look throughout Israel's history, you find out that that Israel sometimes suffered very greatly at the hands of, of their oppressors. But God was always with them. He was always in their midst and he was always acting on their behalf. And he was always willing to do things for them. If they would just be willing to come to him. That's what this passage is talking about. It's talking about a people who have come to God, who are seeking God. All these great things will be given in place of whatever they have received in times past. Verse 4 says that they will rebuild the ancient ruins, they will restore the places long devastated, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. It's great things that our God brings with him. This passage, though, it continues and it lists a few more different categories as well. Verses 5 through 7. I think right here what we see is that Isaiah is getting a glimpse into the fact that Jesus Christ was not just about the nation of Israel but all the other nations as well listen to this strangers will shepherd your flocks foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord you will be named ministers of our God you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast instead of your shame You will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance and so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours you notice that this passage it really kind of expanded it's more than just this one single nation of Israel but these other nations are also included in this I guess I kind of look at this and within this I see that Jesus Christ opened up salvation and he opened up this way of Christ to all the nations, not just one, but to all of these nations. He came from the nation of Israel, and he fulfilled the promises that were given to Israel. But these blessings, these wonderful things, it's not just for Israel, it's for all these other nations, but everyone who comes and who follows the Lord. This passage continues verses 8 through 11 now. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are the people of the Lord, the people, a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe, Of his righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. If you didn't see it in the other passage, you see it here. You see that this is something that's to be done among all of the nations. This is our God. We find out that he loves justice, he hates robbery, he hates wrongdoing, he is faithful, he is righteous, all these wonderful things connected with the nature of our God. So no matter what this year might hold for us, whether it be good or bad things, I don't always really know. I I probably would just say it's likely a mix of both. But regardless of those things and what we experience, we can rest assured that our God is good Our God, he loves justice. He hates robbery. He hates wrongdoing. And he will repay people for what they do. That can be negative if your repayment is a negative thing. If You've been doing these evil deeds. But that repayment can be something wonderful. All of these passages are saying about how God will repay these great things in place of the not so great things. What will we receive this year? I don't know. What will we receive from our God? Obviously, from this passage, it will be great things. Whether we receive them this year or in the future, we have this wonderful hope that is mentioned here. Notice these images, and I just want to bring these things out here. Verse 10, he talks about how God clothes those who who are his. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. Isn't that a wonderful image? The New Testament kind of talks about those garments of salvation, doesn't it? It uses the terms about being clothed in Christ. Christ is our garment of salvation. He is our clothing. And whenever he is our clothing and whenever the Lord is in our midst, this is what, what's stated about what the Lord will do. In verse 11, uses this image about how the soil, it makes things sprout up. And how a garden, it just causes seeds to grow. The comparison is carried over, and that's how it is with our Lord. That our Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations, just like from a garden or just like from the soil. It's amazing whenever you pay attention to plants growing and whenever you see seeds growing in a garden, that's how the Lord is gonna make righteousness and praise spring up before all of the nations. Our God is good. The things that he does are all good. And these images that are used here, the garment of salvation, what the Lord is doing, and what the Lord's anointed is doing in this whole passage, all of these are so important. And I want to just kind of point out one final thing here. In verse 10, it talks about this bridegroom and the bride. That image is used oftentimes of of humanity's relationship with God. Not just all of humanity, but the humans who are willing to partner with God and to be in that covenant relationship with God. It is described as like a marriage. And that marriage is is seen in the Old Testament, but it's also seen in the New Testament. That's why you can can find passages that speak about the church as being the bride of Christ. And that's why at the end of the Bible, you see this wonderful call to us in the book of Revelation. In Revelation, uh, just a few verses before this, it's talking about the bride of the Lamb, the bride of Christ. And is connected with those who are saved. And in Revelation 22:17 we get this wonderful call, this wonderful invitation. The Spirit and the bride say come, and let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Whenever we accept this invitation, and whenever we come to our God and to the Lord's anointed, we can get great things his hand we can receive this water of life that will spring up good things all around us righteousness praise and all these other good things connected this is our god so no matter what we might see this year we know that our god still reigns our god is still in control let's make sure that we praise him let's make sure that we come to him in good times and in not so good times because everything that the lord gives us it is good Let's take hold of it, and let's share it with those people around us.
1: Come without money, come without price.
0: Jesus has made the
1: great sacrifice. Gladly He suffered our calvary. In the great call, salvation is free. Here.